The Gospel records there were many witnesses to the crucifixion of Jesus, including other historical books. Some were disciples and friends of Jesus, others were sworn enemies, and yet there were still others who were soldiers operating under the orders of Pontius Pilate to nail and execute this man on a cross. Yet there was another who saw this took place 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus. But how can that be? Really, how can a man foresee crucifixion of Jesus 1,000 years in advance? Not only this, but it turns out that this witness was a direct descendant of Jesus from generations gone by. Join us now as we unpack the details and facts concerning the first witness of the crucifixion, 1,000 years B.C. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and or listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Today's discussion is going to center around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I've titled this the first witness to the crucifixion. And by that, I do, I'm not referring to people who were on the ground, people who were witnessing and seeing it in real time. Uh, I am referring to a witness that came about or was on the earth a thousand years earlier. Hmm, what do I mean by that? Pretty, pretty outrageous claims, I would say. Well, the Bible makes outrageous claims, and the Bible backs it up. That's the difference. So we're going to expound upon what the Bible had to say, foretelling some very specific points about the crucifixion that I, you know, I, and I've said this before, I marvel at the specificity of God's Word, the beauty of God's Word. And in those prophecies, he, to me, he is doing this as an as a act of love because he's telling you things that, that will happen in advance. And he's really, you know, I, I would say a, a good part of this is not only to warn and heed us in times of uh, potential calamity, but also, you know, showing us without question that he is the, 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 the Lord of all creation and the earth. So we're going to unravel some things. And I say all that because Perhaps if you are a skeptic or a non-believer, I'm going to pick apart some things in here that may make you think twice. I would hope it would, or at least ponder the possibility that Jesus Christ is Lord of creation, Lord of the earth, and Lord of everyone who accepts him as their Savior. So on that note, let me begin with this. Before I do, I, I apologize. Uh, for, you, uh, for, for all of you who are on the various platforms, YouTube, Rumble, all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, I, I would ask that if you could hit that like button and subscribe to us. We notify you when, when new videos and new uh, teachings come out. And also, if you could um, ring the bell. And at last, I would ask if you would just go over to the RussickOutlook.com, sign up for our email list because we're, we'll notify you of some things that won't you won't necessarily hear about uh, on the platforms or in the broadcast. There, there are some special events that are coming up that we'd like you to participate in, Zoom presentations, where we hear from you, um, at, you know, as, as well as the various topics that we'll, we'll break down. But on that note, let me, let me begin this. So as I said, this is the first witness of the crucifixion. So let me break to the video, cut to the chase, so to speak. 
And here I'm talking about King David. King David lived uh, approximately 1040 to 970 BC. And historically speaking, everyone is, is confident um, that, that the most accurate uh, determination of, of the crucifixion and the, and the death of Jesus is 30 AD. Those, those are the dates that I would say well over 95, 96% of the people agree upon. And if if not for anything else, again, I'm going to speak to the skeptic. If you, because I've, I've heard this before, people even say, well, how do we know Jesus was alive? And how do we know he was crucified? All of this is bore out by many, 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 as a matter of fact, as many as 39 historical books outside of the Bible, written by very credible witnesses during the time, historians and, and so forth. Um, so there's no question at all. The only question people might have is, is he the son of God and did, uh, did he in fact rise from the dead? And we, we, we've covered that uh, a, a number of times and you can find so many different great books and teachings by so many different uh, um, apo Christian apologists and, and uh, researchers. But I want to stick on uh, state of this. So again, King David, I, I'm, I'm saying he's roughly a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And I would say that I'm, I'm calling him the first human uh, witness of, of the crucifixion. So I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between some of the words of, of Psalm 22. That's the focus, Psalm 22. And some of the words that we see in the gospel, most notably, we're looking at the book of Matthew. Um, so let me begin with Jesus' last words, uh, which I'll put it up on the screen. And he said this, Eli, Eli, laba sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and if you look at Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the, so Jesus' last words are the very first words of the book of Psalms. Uh, that in and of itself I, I found interestingly. Before I break this down, I just want to think about, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when I saw this, I, and this is, and I think I'm not alone here, you, you think about God, you left him alone. You know, how could you have done that? Like, in other words, it, it's almost an indication that Jesus did not have faith in God. You know, why have you left me here? Why have you left me with these people who, who are crucifying me and beating me? And, and, and you've left me alone. And I'm going to show you that he didn't and, and some of the things behind this. So let me go back to the video. So here we go. And I'm going to break this down into green. And you see the green and yellow on the left side from Psalm 22. And I'm showing you some green and yellow on the right side uh, so that they, you can see the matching. Uh, words from Psalm 22 and also in the Gospel of Matthew. So he says, Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Now I'm going to go to Matthew 27, 45 through 50. The first is with the green highlight. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out loud with a voice and said, as we discussed, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we know that the Lord is a holy God and he is light. And it says darkness overcame the earth, that there was three hours. And this is how I interpret it. This is how I look at it, that God did look away because he was, he was seeing his son um, uh, basically taking on the sin of the world. They were sinning by crucifying him for no good reason. 
um, uh, they, they, they were engaged in, in sin at that time. And it really took me a little while to get my head wrapped around it because I, I always wondered, you know, he took on the sin of the world. But as he was dying and the father looking down sees that sin engaged on his son who was holy. So, and this is my interpretation of it. He, he looks away, which is how the darkness comes upon the face of the earth. It's a time of, certainly a time of mourning, but God removes himself from that situation so that the act of death and the act of the crucifixion can be fulfilled. So by, by, by him doing that, enables that human factor, if you will, to enter in, sin enters in, Jesus takes it all on. He, he bears the brunt of it all. And, and this is why, you know, we see that the darkness was on the face of the earth. And it's certainly, again, it's a, it's a period of mourning. And this also served as a great witness to people who may have been skeptical at the time. And, you know, I, I've talked about it before, and we'll break it down into some what happened exactly to the people and what some of their thoughts were as we, as was recorded. So I'm going to continue. I'm going to go back to, to the video for a second here. And it says this, when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, offered it to Jesus to drink, the rest said, no, no, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So a couple of things there. They're basically condescendingly mocking him. They're saying, oh, let's see if Elijah you know, saves him. Um, you know, they, they've put themselves up on this pedestal, if you will, that he's the one and, and, and he, but meanwhile, what he's doing in the act of he's doing it is in love for those person who, people who are mocking him. Um, so, you know, there, there's the irony of that. And, and, and also he says he gave up his spirit. I just want to point out that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the spirit of Jesus himself on earth. He gave up the ghost, I think some of the uh, uh, interpretations will say. So you know, that, that, that in and of itself is an interesting thing because you're looking at the spirit of Jesus as opposed to the Holy Spirit, which and Holy Spirit is three in one. So uh, it could be some difficulty there, but you know, that, that's what it is, because obviously Holy Spirit never, never passed. So all of this happened, and I want to get back to how God knew this, Jesus knew this, Jesus foresaw this, uh, and, and yet he allowed it to happen, and, and he did, in my estimation, look away, which caused the darkness. But I want to bring it back just for a second to the book of Genesis, to the example that we have with Abraham, when Abraham was willing to offer up his sacrifice to, uh, to, the, to the Lord. And interestingly enough, just before he was about to do it, and, and um, even Isaac was saying, but father or, or Abraham, you know, where, where is the, the, the sacrifice? And interestingly enough, um, and, and I showed this on video, Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb before the burnt offering. So in other words, we know, and I'm going to jump down to Revelation now, so I'm near the beginning and the end of the Bible. Revelation 13, 8 says, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So even before mankind was put into the world, and if you, if you look at the beginning of Genesis, the earth was created um, uh, beforehand, 
even at the creation of the world, Jesus knew this. The Lord saw this. The, the Lord knew this was to happen, and he was willing to do it because of his love for you and his desire for you to be with him in all of eternity. Um, so he was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb. So even when the Lord saw this at, 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 as Jesus was uh, dying on the cross of Calvary, um, this was known for eons beforehand. We don't know the precise age of time, and I say that, being, I don't want to get down a rabbit hole here, but between Genesis 1 and Genesis, Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 3, there's a, there's a period of time that, that is unknown at this time. So that's why I say that the earth was created, there was life in the world, because the second verse says the earth, there was darkness and the earth was void and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, and that's another subject. But um, I, I just want to say that he, he knew this before the foundations, before the creation of the world. So before everything came into be, the Lamb of God w w was dictated, was in mind, you were in mind all along which is how we know the precision of some of the words I'm about to break down. So I'm going to go back to video for a second. Now, sticking with Psalm 22 and Matthew, let's see here. Um, so it says this, many bulls, I'm in Psalm 22, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. So bulls at the time, that's what the Jewish people, the Hebrews would refer to the Roman soldiers. They called them bulls. And he's saying, many bulls surround me. And this is, mind you, this is before the Roman Empire. Uh, they open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. Another uh, word for surround in the Hebrew is crown. So the Roman soldiers crown me. It would be really a more accurate uh, Hebrew interpretation of that. Um, for dogs, so now I'm going to go to Matthew 27, 35. For dogs encompass me, and in, in, in the Hebrew, dogs means Hebrew, um, it means Gentiles. So the, for the Gentiles encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They, have, they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for clothing they cast lots. So this is Psalm 22, and mind you, he's saying this. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is before crucifixion was even a, a form of punishment, before it was even decided, before it was created, however you want to call it. So how a thousand years earlier, they, you know, David is, is, is giving you the example of the crucifixion. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So I did the same thing with the highlights uh, jumping down between the, the examples with uh, Psalm 22 and Matthew. So again, I'm going to go back to video. So yellow, they have pierced my hands and feet. And Matthew 27 says, and they crucified him. So pierced my hands and feet, and crucifixion is one of the same. Uh, then jumping down to verse 18 in Psalm 22, they divide my garments among them. Matthew 27 says this, and parted his garments, casting lots. So they were trading for it. And, for, and then in green, and for my clothing, they cast lots. They parted my garments or clothing among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. 
So there you have it. So a thousand years beforehand, David's showing you, I see the crucifixion, I see the King of Kings and all of his glory is taking on the sins of the world. And he's getting into such detail that he's saying they're not only mocking him, but they're casting lots. They've stripped him of his robe, of his garments. And the, and the Roman soldiers or the, you know, the Gentiles or the dogs of, of that day, that's what he's saying, you know, that's what they're doing. So I'm trying to point out that the specifics and and just a side note and I'm gearing this specific I'm gearing this to the skeptic um, uh, um, the, the 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 discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls which happened um, late 40s long story short um, verified the translation of the scriptures to be, and they were translated very conservatively at least 100 to 200 years before the birth of Jesus, Psalm 22 is in there. So you can't say that this was written or made after the fact. And they, this is scientific proof. This is archaeological discoveries far outside of the Bible that bore this out. The book of Psalms and all the books of the Old Testament were discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were, the translation comes to within 98% of what we read in the King James Version today. So these scriptures, at the very least, were written at least 100 to 200 years before the birth of Christ. And King David, as bore out historically, who's the, who's the author of Psalm 22, he, he had, was alive a thousand years beforehand. So again, this just goes to the specifics that you cannot deny the infallibility of God's word. Psalm 22:14. he says this, I'll go to the video. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. So when you're crucified, all of your liquids, they run down you, they, you're, you're being drained. And it's exactly as he's describing, that everything is running, it's running to the bottom. I mean, you know, picture that. So what he's describing in 2214 is, in fact, the crucifixion. It's what we would come to expect. I'm going to back a little bit now and to Psalm 22, 7 through 8, going back to video. And again, I'm doing that green, blue, yellow highlight from both uh, Psalms and Matthew. So you can see the exact words that were written a thousand years were repeated by people a thousand years later. And all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. And in uh, the gospel, it says, and they pass by and reviled him, reviled or mocked. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders. Psalm 22 says this, all who see me mock me, they make mouths of me. And then they said, they wag their heads. What does the gospel say? And they passed by and reviled him, wagging their heads. Then it goes on in Psalm 22. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. The gospel says this, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. So this was the words that were repeated by uh, the chief priests, the Sanhedrins, the scribes, the, uh, um, the Sadducees, the Pharisees of the day. So these were the words that, 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 David heard, like David heard in his spirit as he's writing this down, he heard them saying, he trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. A thousand years later, 
the recordings from Matthew says the, the words from these people were, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you, you know, it's, it's the details. So as we look at this, and, and Jesus' last words are, it is finished. That's the translation here. And I want to point out some things of what happened, but also, you know, many people know this was the time of the Passover. And at 3 o'clock, the Passover would have ended because, remember, this has to be done before sunset. And around that time, and this is bore out historically, the people are coming to sacrifice their animals, sacrifice their lambs principally. Um, and this is where the people go out and they're looking for the spotless lamb. And the, the chief priest who, who is accepting these sacrifices, he makes the final sacrifice and he's looking for the best lamb. They, they do this days beforehand. So, and they have the animals there. And I wanted to say that historically, I believe it was Josephus said, you might have had as many as 250,000 animal sacrifices during the Passover. So it's, you know, I, I don't mean to be, um, I'm just going to give you the visual that they have to do this quickly. So it's, it's sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. To the point where you get to the end and then the chief priest gets to the last lamb, which is the lamb that he's picked to be a spotless lamb, and then he's going to do it. So as he does it and as he sacrifices the lamb, his final words in the temple are, it is finished. And at the same time, Jesus, who is the ultimate lamb, the ultimate sacrifice is saying, it is finished. So the, 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 the symmetry and the beauty of what Jesus has orchestrated and the Lord has orchestrated. <coughs> so what happens when it is finished? I'm going to point you back to video and you know this bear, you bear this out in the gospel. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. We knew it began for three hours. Earthquakes. So they, they saw this. Now remember, so many people, I don't think, point this out. It says the people were resurrected from their graves and they went into the city of Jerusalem. So picture if you're there at the time and you've crucified Jesus. Darkness comes upon the face of the earth. When he says it is finished, the earth begins to shatter and quake and split and people are rising up out of their graves and they're entering into the city and uh, the temple there, and as many of you know, the veil was torn in two. What I don't, I'm not sure if people realize, they believe that the veil was as high as 60 feet, could have been several feet thick, and uh, um, it would have, I think they, they cleaned it and changed it once a year, and I believe it was something like 25 to 30 priests it was needed because of the vast size and, and the depth and the weight uh, of the veil between the whole, between the uh, the court and the, and the holy of holies. So that picture something that big, that thick, splits in half because now this symbolically this means we have entered into the holy of holies. We have access directly into the throne room of heaven because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Soldiers, it says, were converted because they realized. So here you have these Roman soldiers saw what was happening, knew, you know, I mean, picture yourself at that time, especially if you were a non-believer and he's, you know, and they're like, you know, I, I, I'm, one of the guards that is recorded, I forget which gospel, it might have been Matthew, it could have been Luke, and, and he said, this really was the Son of God. So, you know, they recognized their, their, um, their mistakes, and, but this was the fulfillment of, of, of prophecy of what the Lord had laid out. So 
you know, I guess what I'm getting at is the details of what it's laid. Then what he sees, he being David, what he sees at the end of the psalm is what we see and witness today. And this is such, this is such beautiful. So let me, let me read this to you. I'll put it back up on the screen. He says this, Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. And the Amplified says, in, in, in the Amplified version, it is finished. So think about that. David's saying generations will see this. People will be talking about this and, and, and receiving him. They will know future generations. So he not only recognized the details of what was happening and, and was able to repeat some of the words that were transpired at the time, but he saw the, the end result. He saw after the crucifixion. He saw after the resurrection. He saw the people coming to the Lord. And that's what was, what was revealed to him. And I say, you cannot do this. You cannot make this up unless there is a holy and inspired son of God who, 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 who gave the ability to David to not only see this and record it and pass this on. So thousands of years later, you and I and others are able to see this and reveal this, which confirms yet again the veracity of Scripture, the, the, the legality, the right of God's Word being unquestionably precise. Um, so, I, you know, again, I, I just marvel at it. And then I'm just going to close where I, I, I don't think people recognize, at least I'll be, I'm guilty of it. So when you think of the prophets, you think of the major prophets and the minor prophets, and you know you think of Ezekiel and you think of Daniel and and uh, um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Jeremiah, Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, and who am I forgetting? Isaiah, I'm sorry, and then the minor prophets, Hosea, and 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 so forth. Um, but I guess what's interesting to me is David was a prophet. David was a king. David was a musician. David was a poet. David worshiped the Lord. David, God said David has a man after his own heart. And even though, you know, he sinned and he fell short of the glory of the Lord like we all do, um, he had the anointing of the prophet on him. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I leave this here where he is not only King David, he is prophet and king. So this prophet, who was the king of Israel at the time, Saw the king of saw the king of Israel saw the king of kings one king to another saw the mantle that was going forth, and that you know interestingly enough we know that Jesus is from the seed of David, so that you know the whole iteration there it's 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 all laid out it's all beautifully laid out for you, um, so I, I I just wanted to you know harp on I'm harp on it oh harp David harp there yeah. brum bum it was that was bad, but it was. A, <laughs> I'll leave it alone. Um, but at any rate, I'll I'll just say this: if you don't know the Lord and and you still question Him, you know, ask Him, ask Him, ask Him in your private time, in your own conversation, your own way. Lord, if you're there, show me, show me, or maybe talk to people, churches, uh, people who maybe you know and trust. And if you do believe. And, and maybe this is a, a step in encouraging you, you know, ask him into your heart. Ask him, confess that you're a sinner, confess that you've fallen short and that you need him in your life. And I promise you, he will come in immediately. The, the, the scriptures say, he, I, I stand and I knock at the door of your heart, but will you let me in? 
So that ultimately is your choice. And, you know, that's that's the beauty of the Lord. He gives you free will. He gives you free choice. So, again, if you have any other further questions, comments on this, as always, please email russicoutlook at gmail.com. I'm happy to take that uh, on. And I just, again, want to thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.